Allah, thank you for joining us today. Hope uh, you had a really good Christmas. I know uh, some of our, our uh, regular harvesters are, are traveling, and uh, in the same way, uh, we have folks who have traveled to be here, and so we are uh, really grateful that you've come. Uh, thank you for being part of our, our congregation and for worshiping with us uh, today. I know some have come from pretty far away, different states, so uh, thanks for being here with us. Um, anybody sad that uh, Christmas has come and gone? Yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, I know, uh, hearing from, from different folks, they're like, ah, you know, we've only got a couple hours left of Christmas and I can't believe it's all gone. And a lot of times December 26th, a day after Christmas can be a really, uh, difficult day for people. Not so much because of everything that December 26th is, but because of everything that December 25th is and all of the buildup and all of the anticipation, all of the stuff that led up to it. And then it's come and it's done and now it's December 26th. I, um, I, I think I've always said that the two, my two favorite times of the year, one is March Madness when the uh, NCAA College Basketball Championships are. It's one of the best times of the year. And then uh, Christmas time. It's this whole thing about you know, starting from uh, Black Friday when you begin to hear that the first Christmas songs on the radio and you recognize and realize that um, the season is coming. It is the season uh, of Christmas. And during this time, uh, it's a really uh, special uh, something, something different. People act a lot differently. You know this, right? People are a lot more loving during the Christmas season. Um, people who have not talked to each other for a year will uh, give each other a phone call or send a text or say Merry Christmas. And it's something about this Christmas season. People are a little bit more joyful or happy at least. They're running around a little bit more bubbly. And people who are usually pretty stoic, at least if they get the gift that they want or they're singing the songs that they enjoy, uh, a little bit more happy. There's a little bit of that in there. There's a sense of peace. I don't know um, how many of y'all have been to Disney recently, but uh, Olivia and I went to downtown Disney, and uh, as we're uh, a couple of days ago, as we're walking through there, we just, uh, the kind of the, the so many different languages being spoken. Right? People who look just like us, but they speak a different language, or people who look like they're American people speaking a, a different language. And every time I go to Disney, um, it kind of creates in me, maybe it's something uh, nostalgic about my childhood when my brother and I used to uh, play on our record player. It's a small world and we would sing as loud as we could. Something about that, something about being at Disney and, and hearing this music makes us long for it. At least think that it's possible that the world can, can be at peace, at least for these people as the nations come together at Disney. It's a time where people are a little bit more patient with each other, aren't they? People are willing to stand in, in long lines a little bit more so than they would at maybe during, during March or during April or August. People are a little bit more willing to, to be patient and to stand in these long lines. Folks are a little bit more gentle with each other. You hear the words please and, and thank you a little bit more frequently. A lot more acts of goodness take place. People are more good during Christmas time. Not better, but they're more good. Just why to capitalize on this idea, you see outside of Publix, you see outside of these stores, the Salvation Army, people ring their bills, right? And you've got Angel Tree Project, Operation Christmas Child. There's a lot of these different things that go on because people are more good during this time. People are faithful. Those who are typically unfaithful, the deadbeat dad, and their kid says to them, Dad, but you promised you would get me this video game. And the one time during the year, Dad pulls through his faithful. It's Christmas time. He says, Son, I promise this to you. And so here it is. A little bit more self-control. People who typically don't have any self-control will wait until at least until midnight or 1201 Christmas and then they'll tear open their gifts. There's something about the season of Christmas. And we know what this is. We all call it the Christmas spirit. Right? Something about 
all that is Christmas that makes us act differently, that gives us a little bit uh, more sense of, of kindness and love and peace towards our fellow uh, brothers and sisters, towards fellow man and fellow womankind. And it's this whole thing called the Christmas spirit that we long for and we love. And that's what defines and that's what makes Christmas for so many people. But here are the cold, hard facts. As surely as December 25th comes, uh, December 26th is right around the corner. That's where we are today. And for a lot of people, like, you know what? The day after Christmas is the worst day because I didn't get the things that I wanted for Christmas. The girl that I thought was going to get me this thing didn't get me that thing. The guy I thought I thought he was going to propose to me today, he didn't do it. And so December 26th is here, and we're living with all of these things. And we're like, man, I just wish... Well, the only consolation is that we're a day closer to Christmas 2011. For a lot of people, that's how we live. And I wonder if that's all there is to it. Just cycling from one Christmas to another, waiting for Thanksgiving day after to come so that we can in, it just encapsulate this Christmas spirit for ourselves. And then we'll feel like, oh, life is good again. But for 11 months, we just grin and bear it. Obviously, it's not. We wouldn't be here if that was it. Galatians chapter 5, chapter, uh, verses 22 and 23 says there's a much better way to live. And he wants to tell us of something so much better than the Christmas spirit. Galatians chapter 5, this is the Apostle Paul writing, uh, verses 22 and 23. Real quick, real brief uh, passage today. Let's read it, and this is God's word. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. It's God's word. As you read this list of things, maybe as you let your eyes touch it again. I don't know if it's up there. There it is. Okay, it's gone now. If you look at, let, the, uh, let your eyes touch these words in your Bible or in your Bible. Um, look at some of, some of these things here. And do these not capture the Christmas spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience. You could read it on your own. These things that the Bible talks about, that Paul talks about as being the fruit of the Spirit are very similar to what we consider to be the fruit of the Christmas Spirit. But I want to say that even though the, the, these things look the same, uh, there are three very major differences between this Christmas Spirit that we long to keep and the, to hold versus the fruit of the Spirit. Here's the first thing. Three things we want to look at, but here's the first thing. It's that the, the, the Christmas Spirit or the fruit of the Christmas Spirit is manufactured. Man, that's a big word for some of y'all. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit of Christ, the, the fruit of the Christ Spirit is organic. Okay. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is these things. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the grammar in, in just a second. But it says, but the fruit of the Spirit. We talk a lot about fruit in the context of, of organic, don't we? Organic versus inorganic. Organic is something that's natural. There's nothing added to it. There's not been injected with hormones or anything like that. On the opposite side is things that are artificial, that are inorganic, that are manufactured. You put things into it, and the fruit would not be the fruit without these other things. You know I'm talking about, right? Uh, when I was in eighth grade science fair project, I did a project on genetic engineering. This was way back. This is 1990, okay? 1990, before the Internet, before, um, you know, all this, like, booming stem cells and all that stuff like that. But I did a pre I, project because I thought it was interesting on genetic engineering. And I created, in a Petri dish, a cow. I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. But... Um, it was, it was, a. Uh, I didn't do any kind of experiment, but I found pictures of genetically engineered, uh, fruits and things like that. And so I, I made this like poster board on foam core and I presented it and, 
Um, I don't know why I, I did this. I had no interest in science, but I, I did. And I copied pictures out of an encyclopedia. Uh, for those of you who don't know, before the Internet, there was an encyclopedia. It's a book that is basically a series of books that basically serves the purpose of Internet. But so I, I copied pictures and, 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 and put it uh, on, out of magazines and encyclopedias and placed it on my poster board. And there were things like um, apples the size of pumpkins. Huge apples. It's like you eat one of these things like an apple a year keeps a doctor away. Huge, huge apples. And then there were uh, watermelons that were in the shape of rectangles. And uh, as I was presenting this project, we had these like scientists. And I don't know if they're really scientists, but they looked professional. And they're asking us questions. And they say, why would anyone want um, rectangular watermelons? And uh, I couldn't think of anything. So off the top of my head, I said, so it, rectangular watermelons uh, is a lot harder to roll down hills, and farmers will not lose them. And uh, that's a very insightful. <laughs> so, um, but these, all, of, all of these fruits were manufactured. Things were injected. Without these injections, without these chemicals, without these things added to it, these fruit wouldn't be fruit, wouldn't be what they are. Isn't that the same with the Christmas spirit? You, you, you throw in a mix of the right songs and the right smells. You know, it's almost Christmas time. And you go to Starbucks and they've got peppermint latte. They don't, really, they don't have peppermint at any other times. Or they've got cinnamon spice or they've got like, um, I don't know, those are the two things I get. But maybe they've got other things. You see red and white everywhere. And the, the, the sights of Christmas with Santa Claus and reindeer and, and fake snow and, and all these things that, that get us into this Christmas spirit and make us feel like, you know what, I want to be a little bit of a better person. I want to give myself to other people. And we... Um, in, in the cell church that I, uh, that I serve, it's a single cell church. I really enjoy it. A lot of fun. A lot of just crazy characters in our cell church. But there's two girls, and um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a step of faith because I haven't asked. I asked one of them if I could mention this, but I'll tell her. We got two girls, one named Sarah, <laughs> Sarah Kim, and the other named Min Sun Kim. Very cool girls. A lot of fun. Um, both are very sweet, very kind, very caring, but completely different in their personalities. And, and so um, one of my favorite parts every week is just seeing their interaction because one of them will be there early. Uh, they never come together. And the other one will come late. And just seeing how things play out is really beautiful. Oh, Sarah is um, a lot more even keeled, you know, very, uh, I, I say very mature, not to say that Min Sun's not, but she's very mature and, and grounded, not given to extremes, um, loves, uh, yeah, just really caring uh, but at the same time, not the most touchy-feely, affectionate kind of person. She's not going to walk in and give, oh, I love you. Min Sun, on the other hand, very uh, outgoing, exuberant, bubbly, ebullient. Everywhere she goes, she's like, lights up the room. And, and people are like, oh, Min's here. And it's crazy. And so in the past few months, as, as I've observed their interactions, um, I realized that, that Min really, really likes Sarah a lot. Every time she comes in, she wants to hug her. She wants to, like, uh, when we're sitting down, uh, when we're deciding where we're going to sit, Min always wants to sit by Sarah. And she's, like, touching her hair and, oh, I love you. And she's hugging her. And, and every time Sarah tries to get uh, the seat closest to the corner so that she can kind of be isolated away from, from Min, it's the funniest thing. And <laughs> uh, I think it was last week or the week before, whenever it was, the, the last day that Sarah's a teacher, she finished uh, teaching for the semester. And so um, Christmas break had come around, and uh, she was really excited. You could tell that she was excited when she comes into the, in the cell church meeting, very happy, uh, very giddy. And she comes in, and we're sitting down to eat dinner. And um, Sarah says to Min Sun, she's like, hey, uh, do you want to eat pho with me? And Min's like, she, she, she's, she's kind of, this, let me, let me. <laughs> The dramatic, uh, dramatic reenactment. I'm, I'm Min Sun, okay? 
man, do you want to eat pho with me? <laughs> really? Me? I was in the kitchen. I nearly dropped my plates. I came running. I was like, what? <laughs> Did you just ask Min to eat with, with, with you? And Min's like, just, just the two of us? And Sarah's like, she's like, what's the big deal? But she's like, yeah. It, it's kind of like, you know, like when you're in gym class and you're always the last one picked for dodgeball or something. But one day, like the best dodgeball player picks you first on the team, completely unexpected. And, and Min is like, it's kind of like this little sister always wants to be with a big sister. And big sister says, hey, I want to take you to eat. It was an amazing thing. And we're like, man, angels descended in that place. And we're like, it must be Christmas. <laughs> because only such a thing could manufacture this kind of love. Well, I, I, I say that tongue-in-cheek because before that actually happened, some days before I asked her, I said, hey, do you like men? And she's like, yeah, I really, I really, really do like her. And so I, I use this illustration just kind of, uh, facetiously to, to illustrate a point um, that a lot of times that's how it is, isn't it? It's all these things that, that come together to create this thing. And, and when it's a Christmas tree, we act a lot nicer to one another. We act a lot differently. There's more cheer in the air. There's more love. There's more kindness. There's more gentleness. And, and we do things that we wouldn't otherwise do. You see, the, the spirit of Christmas is manufactured, but the fruit of the Christmas spirit is organic. It is not manufactured. I'm sorry. The spirit of Christ is, is, is organic. It's not manufactured. You don't pump all these things into it. Then how does, how does the fruit of the spirit of Christ, how is that born? How does that, how does that come out? Jesus says in John 15, 5, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man, if a woman, if a person remains in me and I in him, then he will bear much fruit. If fruit is not born, the spirit of Christ Fruit is not born because we try all these things and we, we pour all these things into it and then pow, it, it comes out. I, I, I talk about this during our Harvest 201 class, but uh, my neighborhood is across the street from an orange grove. And uh, it never happens this way. But imagine I drive by the orange grove one night. And there's no fruit. There no oranges there. Drive by the next night. Drive by for an entire year. There's no fruit in this orange grove. And one night. Late one night, I, I wake up in the middle of the night because I can't sleep because I hear from the orange grove all this like grunting and groaning and straining and moaning and, and music playing. And then I wake up the next morning and all of a sudden the orange groves are filled with oranges. It doesn't happen that way. Fruit doesn't, is not born because we try and we strain and we work and we do all these things and we pump and manufacture all these things. And then pow, here comes love and joy and peace and kindness and faithfulness and all this good stuff. It comes because we're connected organically to the source of life, to the source of fruit, to the source of all that is right and good, because we're connected to the life of Jesus Christ. So let me ask you, how connected are you to the life-giving sap of the Holy Spirit living in you that wants to produce this in you? How connected are you to the life of Christ? Is there fruit in you as a result of that. This is the first thing that we see. The Christmas spirit is manufactured. The fruit is manufactured, but the spirit of Christ, his fruit is organic. The second thing that we see, the fruit of Christmas spirit is sentimental, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit is supernatural. That's why it says the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and all these things. 
Yeah, the, the fruit of the Christmas spirit is sentimental. It's driven by uh, these emotions and these, 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 these things that make Christmas. Let me, let me read to you. Uh, I, I'm not a huge Elvis fan, but I know that uh, Elvis was, was kind of a, you know, he was kind of a sentimental kind of guy when it came to Christmas. So this is what he says. Um, I hear the bells saying, Christmas is here. They ring out to tell the world that this is a season of cheer. I hear a choir singing sweetly somewhere, and a glow fills my heart of the peace with the world. As the sound of their singing fills the air, oh, why can't every day be like Christmas? Why can't that feeling go on endlessly? For if every day could be just like Christmas, what a wonderful world this would be. Right? That's pretty good. Why can't every day be like Christmas? Why can't this feeling go on endlessly? Isn't that what some of us feel? Man, I just wish every day I could, I could just feel like this. I wish every day I could treat people the way that I do. I wish every day I could, I could have this sense of, of happiness in me. I wish every day I could be this, this patient. But just like anything that is sentimental, anything that is emotional, whether you're, you're infatuated with some person of the opposite gender, it's these emotions that you associate with it that you try and cling on to, and it's like vapor. It's like trying to grasp after something that is so short-lived and it, it, it disappears and, and you try and grab, you try and hold on to it. But after a moment, it's gone. Saying this is what the Christmas spirit is. It is sentimental. It is emotional. It's like trying to chase after the wind and, and you can't quite grab a hold of it because it is unsubstantial. But so many of us long for that Christmas. I, I just wish I could have this feeling back. That's why I don't think any of us, we woke up this morning and said, oh, Christmas is done. I'm going to take down my Christmas tree. Anyone do that? Probably not. Most of us keep our Christmas trees up until probably mid-June. Partly because, yeah, you know what? I don't want to take it down. It's a hassle. I have to put it all back and lift it up and put it in the attic or wherever it is. But I think for a great many of us, we don't want to put the tree away because all that it tells us about the fact that we're no longer in this Christmas season. That we try and keep the tree as a, some, some weird way of, of, of keeping this, this sense of, of Christmas and this, this hope and this longing. But the Bible tells us that it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's not sentimental. It's supernatural. Let me go into a little bit of teaching here. I think this is really important for us to get. Paul is no dummy here. He was extremely learned. But if you read this in English, does it not seem grammatically improper? But the fruit of the Spirit, well, no, it is proper. But the fruit of the Spirit is, well, maybe it's not proper. He says the fruit of the Spirit, and he goes on to say is, and he lists eight different fruit or fruits. It's kind of weird. Of all, Paul could have used uh, any, any, kind of, any kind of language here, but he is very intentional in using a singular noun here to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Why in the world does he do that? Because when Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit, he's saying these things, these eight fruit are really one. Okay? If you've got one, then you've got to have all of them. What he's saying is not, this is a checklist. How well are you doing with love? Check, I'm doing okay. How well are you with joy? I'm not so good at joy. How well are you at peace? I'm pretty good. How patient are you? I'm, I'm okay. It's not a checklist. He's saying this is the fruit of the Spirit. This is the things that will necessarily be a byproduct of your life if you are 
connected organically, supernaturally to the presence of the Holy Spirit. If you are a child of God living in vital union with Jesus Christ in the Holy Spirit, then these fruit will be evident in your life. If you don't have one, then he says you better check yourself. And it's, it's very interesting, isn't it? Some of us would know, you know what, DL, you're wrong. Paul's wrong. I don't agree with this. I'm going to take this page out of the Bible because I'm a lot more loving than I am patient. You remember when we started, I was reading a commentary on this, and, and he was talking about how in 1 John, right, John talks about love, and then he talks about, uh, he talks about kindness. He says, you, you say you love God, but you don't love your brother. Okay, loving your brother is kindness. He doesn't say then you have an imbalanced, unbalanced Christian life. He says you're a liar. He says you cannot do one without doing the other. You cannot have one part of the fruit without having the other part of the fruit. Well, how, how is it then this is true in me? Here's why. Because a lot of what we think is fruit of the spirit is really just a matter of our personality, our temperament. There are some people who are just naturally more gentle. Right? A lot of times these are our, our sisters in the congregation, a little bit more gentle than the guys. And, oh, you know, when someone gets hurt, oh, let me go and I'll, I'll get you a Band-Aid and I'll give you a little, little kiss on it and I'll make it feel better. I'm not, I'm not trying to, um, you know, paint this in a bad light. But that's, guys don't do, oh, let me give it a kiss. No, they don't do that because girls are a little bit more gentle naturally. How do we know that this is a natural temperament versus a fruit of the Spirit is we're really gentle, but at the same time we've got no self-control in our lives. And that's a pretty good indication that we're not living out the fruit of the spirit, but we're living out of our temperament. Some people who are always just like uh, seem happy all the time. Right? Happy, happy, joy, joy. doesn't matter what's going on. I'm just always happy. Right? That, yeah, a lot of times we see that. Oh, that's the joy of Christ. Blessed be. Yeah, a lot of times it is. If they've got these other seven fruit in their lives. Otherwise, it's just a matter of personality. It's temperament. It's upbringing. Some people are just naturally happier. Even people who don't go to ch- Even people who don't know Jesus. Sometimes they're a lot more gentler, a lot more patient, a lot more faithful, a lot more kind than we are. And that's to our shame. But at the same time, that's a matter of their personality. That's not Holy Spirit living in them. See, a lot of times what we easily dismiss as being spiritual maturity is really just a matter of our personality or our temperament. And we can be easily fooled into thinking we're a little bit more mature than we really are. So we look at these things. And he says, the fruit of the Spirit, it's really one. If you've got one, if you're growing in one, then you will necessarily be growing in the other. So again, the question is, how vitally connected are you to the supernatural Holy Spirit that wants to, this is our inheritance, saints of God in Christ. This is not just some Christmas gift that we get if we've been good. Saying, if you're a child of God and you've got the Spirit of God, you're connected with him, then these eight things will be, is it eight or nine? I don't know. But these things will necessarily be be the fruit of that relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the second thing that we see. The big difference between the Christmas spirit, the spirit of Christ. One, right? One, uh, it's manufactured versus organic. Two, uh, it's sentimental versus supernatural. And then the last thing, the fruit of this Christmas spirit, we all know this, is temporary, but the fruit of the spirit of Christ is eternal. Um, let, let me read a, again uh, a poem for you, if I can. Um, this poem is not great. Um, it's not very well written. Um, the rhymes are decent, not like Albert Kang or Eminem, but it, it, it works. The point is clear. Uh, this is what it says. "'Twas the day after Christmas when all through the place there were arguments and depression. Even mom had a long face. 
The stockings hung empty and the house was a mess. The new clothes didn't fit and dad was under stress. The family was irritable. The children, none could please because the instructions for the swing set were written in Chinese. The bells no longer jingled. I guess this was not written by a Chinese person. The bells no longer jingled and no carolers came around. The sink was stacked with dishes and the tree was turning brown. The stores were full of people returning things that failed and all the shoppers were discouraged because all they bought was now on sale. It was the day after Christmas. The spirit of joy had disappeared. The only hope on the horizon were bowl games on New Year's. Okay. Wasn't that good? But the point is clear, right? The fruit of the Christmas spirit is so temporary. And as soon as the bowl bowl games on New Year's Day are done, then... What next? We look forward to Valentine's Day. And then, oh, you don't have a date. You don't have a boyfriend or girlfriend or a spouse. And uh, St. Patrick's Day, oh, but I'm not Irish and no one's going to kiss me. And I don't know. The spirit of the, uh, the Christmas spirit, the fruit of the Christmas spirit is so temporary. We long for these things. We want to hold on to it, but, it, but, it, but it's evasive. I think the best way, I don't know if there's a clearer picture than to remind you of what happened or to tell you of what happened. December 24th, 1914. This is where the Great War had just broken out months before. And people were just beginning to see how destructive modern warfare could be and how destructive humanity could be. All along, uh, the, this kind of the, the, the um, stalemate had, had swept over the, the, the coast of, of France and the, the borders of France. And, and so... People were involved in, in what's called trench warfare, where people would dig these six uh, feet ditches uh, called trenches, and they just camp out there. They put barbed wire on top. And uh, the English troops and the German troops, okay, here they are. They're, they're kind of in the, the stalemate. And at the same time, artillery fire, gunshots. Uh, if you pick your head up, you could, your head could get popped off and things like that. It's a very tense time. Uh, you could hear, if you're an English soldier, you could hear the German soldiers talking about 60 yards away. You could hear them, the smell of refuse and of human waste and decay and, and blood and guts and all these things filling the trenches here, mud. By the, end of the, by the end of World War I, more people had died because of sickness and disease than they did of actual uh, death and, and war casualties from the enemy. But you could hear this kind of thing going on all over uh, this, this 60-yard uh, gap. It's called no man's land. There are dead bodies. Around. People had been killed, and uh, nobody wanted to venture out into that area. They could hear one another, and oh, this, this stuff was happening. And December 24th rolls around, and uh, the German side of the, I think this is actually the Belgium, the border in Belgium, the German side in the trenches, um, they started putting up uh, trees in their trenches and started putting uh, bells on it. And so as the uh, English troops looked across no man's land, they saw that. And they're like, wow, it must, be, uh, it must be Christmas Eve. And across the way, they began to hear uh, singing. Singing was a, the, the, the words were unfamiliar, but the tune was familiar. They were singing Silent Night in German. As they began to sing, the English troops began to sing along with them. Of course, in English, they would sing Silent Night and then they would exchange choruses back and forth with one another. They would sing these songs back and forth. And all of a sudden, one of the people on one of the sides held up a sign and says, if you don't shoot, we won't shoot either. The other people held up a sign that said, okay. They, they, they started bringing 
uh, out of their trenches, chocolate and whiskey and gloves. And they, they stepped onto no man's land, risking their lives and going to the other side and giving gifts to the other. The other people would get in and they would say, well, we've got something we want to give to you also. And, and, they, and they, they brought it back over to the other people. The people who just hours earlier were shooting and, and, and trying to kill each other. And December 24th came and went and December 25th rolled around, Christmas Day. It's still here, the singing and the caroling going back and forth throughout the trenches, throughout no man's land. Suddenly, one guy said, well, let's, um, because it's Christmas, let's just bring our, our dead bodies back to safety. So they picked up their own fallen troops and they brought them back into the trenches. And as a symbolic gesture, uh, they had one of, one of each soldier who had fallen, one of their fallen soldiers. They brought them out and, and they had an impromptu funeral service there. And they read Psalm 23 from both languages. They would read this and, and they worshiped the child who was born on Christmas Day. They hugged and they laughed and they sang and they shared stories. And as nightfall came, December 25th, the two sides went back into their trenches. One side fired up three shots and said, Merry Christmas. The other uh, side shot up two shots and said, same to you. And they saluted each other and they went back into their trenches. December 26th rolled around. They went back to killing each other. After four years of fighting, Nine million people died. The next year, there would be no Christmas Day truce. Hearts had become so hardened. Hearts had become so jaded. They said, there's no way, no way that we would celebrate, no way that we would honor anybody with those people across the way. Nine million people died. And if you ask some people, they say the world, definitely Europe, but the world has never recovered from that time. See, the fruit of the Christmas spirit is so temporary. This is this, this one-day thing. Oh, if I could just, just have it for this moment, but it, it fades and it's gone. He says, you know what? You could have something so much deeper, so much better, so much greater. He says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Jesus says, I have come. I've appointed you to bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Jesus says, this is your inheritance, people of God. This is your inheritance. In John 15, Jesus would then go on to say, you know what? If you remain in me, you'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, if a branch is snapped from its vine and it lays on the ground, there will be no fruit on it. And Jesus says, how is it? How is it? How is it that we can be connected to the life-giving source that is God? How is it that we could be connected is because At the cross. Because at the cross, Jesus Christ, the only true branch was snapped off and was was rejected. Disconnected from all source of life. He who knew no sin, Corinthians tells us, right? He became sin for us and he was left to die, abandoned by all, abandoned even by his father. The, The process, the gospel process is that we have life but it's only through death. This is, the, this is the paradigm of Christianity all the time. It's our gain because he took the pain. We have life because he took our death. We bear fruit 
because he was cut off and rejected. See, this is the hope that Christmas gives to us that lasts far greater than just a day. It is an everlasting hope. It is an eternal hope for fruit that will last. It is an eternal hope that one day we, with the ransomed in glory, his face we at last shall see. And though our joy through the ages will be to sing of his love for you and me. You know, Christmas has come and gone and the, the spirit will come back, maybe come the end of November next year. But he says there's something so much better. And so many of us long, oh, I just want that Christmas spirit. He says, why don't we begin today, the way we began this worship service, saying one thing I ask, one thing I seek, that I may dwell in the house of our God and gaze upon his beauty. We say, God, I want you so much more than I want any emotion, any feeling. God, I want you so much more than anything that this world could give to me. I want you so much more. And if we do, as we do, then there will be fruit, supernatural fruit, organic fruit, fruit that will last and will be a blessing that others would receive the blessing and the benefit and the joy from our lives. Let's pray together. And I, I hope for those of us in here who just feel bummed out that Christmas is gone. that through the last uh, 30, 40 minutes, you would have new hope that there's so much more, so much better. That God says, I can give you all of myself. That we would say, not God, I want more of this Christmas sentiment. But God, I want more of you. Lord, I want more of you in my life. More love for you, more hunger for you, more desire for you, and at the same time, more of your fruit in me. Lord, I want to be more like you that my influence in this world would be broader, that my joy in this life would be greater, that the blessing of God over my life would be so much more, that I would know that there's so much more to life because, Jesus, you said that you've come to give us life and life to the full. I want to know that. I want to live that. I want to experience that. Let's pray that to the Lord. Let's pray as we anticipate the coming of a new year, the turning of our calendar. Let's say, Lord God, I want more of you in my life, beginning now, that I would hunger for more of Jesus Christ, more of your spirit. Fill me with more of you. So let's pray for a couple moments as we respond to his word, as we pray a prayer of commitment, the surrender of... I just resolve, give our hearts over to Christ more. So let's pray for a moment together and then we'll close this part of our time. Father in heaven, we thank you for what we remember and celebrate on Christmas. The coming of Jesus, the gift of your son. Jesus, you yourself would say in a sermon preached while standing on a mountainside, not to store up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. We know that the clothes we get for Christmas, we will outgrow know that the toys that we get and the gadgets that we get will soon be outdated. You know that these things that we long for and wish for will one day go to the graveyard of material possessions. And yet the gift that you give is forever, is eternal. And the fruit of your spirit, the fruit that you pour 
and bear in us, producing in us as we abide in you, is fruit that will last. So, Father, help us not to long for the amorphous, for the uh, intangible spirit of Christmas, feelings and emotions of that season that has passed us by. And instead, help us to long for more of you who will never uh, fail to satisfy, who will never break, who will never grow tired or old. We thank you. Thank you so much. We pray these things in Jesus' name.